Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. The power of storytelling is profound. Sharing your personal story can be a cathartic process, providing relief and healing by validating your experiences and creating a sense of connection and empathy. Whether through spoken words, writing, or other creative outlets, storytelling allows you to confront your demons, make sense of challenges, and build a path towards healing and resilience. It empowers you to rewrite your own narrative, transforming pain into growth and adversity into strength, ultimately contributing to improving your mental well-being. Like so many people with undiagnosed mental health issues, my next guest wound up feeling like he didn't fit in and that he just wasn't good enough. It wasn't until a diagnosis much later in life that he finally got the support that he so desperately needed and was able to start living his life to the fullest. He's now sharing his story to inspire others. Chuck Anderson is the co-founder and principal consultant of Living to Thrive that specializes in workplace mental health and psychological safety. Chuck, so great to connect with you, mate. I have briefly sort of heard from you and seen what you're doing, and it sounds like you know, you're doing incredible work. So really looking forward to sitting down and having this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. Yeah. And you've got an event coming up. Are you able to sort of tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. So on the 18th of October, this is for Mental Health Month, I'll be hosting an event where I'll be talking about my lived experience with mental illness. And that is having depression, ADHD, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Um, I'll talk a bit about how they impact me day to day and also some of the tools that I use to try and manage the symptoms that I deal with on a regular basis. And I'll also give some insights on how people can support others and how they can approach them based on my experience, how people approach me and how I approach other people that I found probably most effective. Yeah. Amazing, mate. Amazing. And, um, I, I mean, it's such an important thing to speak from lived experience and it's what I've been doing for the last 12, 13 years. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think I've, I, it sounds like you've probably had a similar experience where I've just seen that as being you know, the most powerful thing to get these messages across. Have you found that it's been, you, you just, you know, every time you've done it, do you see, you see impact? Um, every time, every single yeah. time it's, it's, I think it resonates with people that don't have the experience that you and I have and more so with people that do have the experience because it humanizes that their struggles, uh, and makes them feel less odd, less, um, other now cast because they don't often hear people talk about the challenges that they go through. Um, and my challenges might not be exactly like yours if you have depression, um, but they can relate, deeply relate. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a profound experience that I've never had a time where if someone did come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, I appreciate you saying it because I deal with this too. Um, yeah, it's just the connection you get with people is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are you able to tell me 
a bit about your story, sort of what you've been through and how you came to be, well, what you've been through, what you're doing now and how you, how you came to be, you know, going down this path. I think our listeners would be super interested to hear. Sure. Certainly. So currently I have a consulting company called Living to Thrive and we do workplace mental health work. And that's just around building programs to support employees of mental health, talking about self-care, mindfulness, talking a bit about empathy, self-compassion. And these are all the things that I find that are underrated in the workplace and also in society. And a lot of the work that I do is driven by my lived experience. I don't think I've really ever given anyone insight or advice on things that I haven't already done myself. Yeah. And I've been dealing with mental illness for a very long time, a bit like yourself. And I've learned a lot about it. Um, I have a background in psychology as well and a positive psychology and risk management. So I, I've, I've done the work uh, for myself and also to get an idea of what those illnesses mean to me and how they can impact me. Cause I think that's one of the biggest parts of being able to tell my story is understanding my story, um, about understanding how I, how I fit into mental illness and how it fits into my life. If that makes sense. It, um, it really does. Yeah. Thanks. So mental illness has been around for me for the longest time. ADHD has been there. Probably the, it was, it's, it was the most prevalent growing up and even into adulthood. Cause when you're younger, you go to school and you don't, you feel like something's wrong with you because you can't quite focus. You're not really interested. And for me, it was always about feeling a bit tired and different. Uh, and of course the teachers look at you like you're lazy. Uh, something's wrong with you and then that sticks with you you know through young adulthood and even into adulthood and so that still impacts me now like just just the self-confidence issues that sometimes you deal with because you think like oh man they're gonna know that i have this disorder and they're gonna think that i'm stupid and i I can't i can't contribute um but yeah a lot of that is just also it's just in my head and in space yeah past experiences that i have most people aren't really thinking about it Nearly as much as I do. Um, exactly. So I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder when I was 27. So I'm 42 now. And that was hard. You know, it's, it's being introduced to a psychiatrist. He tells you that you have these significant disorders wrong with you. Um, also ADHD, which I knew that before, before that, um, it's a bit overwhelming because you know that something's not right with yourself, but then you, when you get diagnosed, it makes it more real. And I think at that point I felt a bit broken and because they gave you this medication that's meant to fix you, it really doesn't fix you, it just helps you manage the symptoms. Yeah. And I had a hard time wanting to take the medication, but my doctor at the time, the psychiatrist gave me this analogy saying, well, you wear glasses or contacts. I said, well, yeah, of course, because I had them on. And, um, he said, that's because your eyes don't function as well as they could. You know, some people yeah. wear glasses, some people don't. He said, so your brain is essentially the same thing. It, it doesn't function or operate the same way that someone else's might. So you take these, these pills um, to help you manage just like you take, or you wear glasses to help you see better, take these pills to help you think better. So for me, that, that, that broke it down into a way that it was relatable for me. Because I wear glasses, obviously, um, and it allowed me to begin to accept what I was dealing with. 
Yeah, um, it's a great point. That's a really great point, what you're saying there. Yeah, no, it, it made a lot of sense to me. And I, I tell that to everyone now. I think you know, everyone has, has, doesn't have asthma. They deal with asthma, allergies, and they take pills for it. It's because something is not fully right with them internally. Mm. So they take these... This, this support essentially, you know, in the form of a drug to help them function and be healthy. Uh, fast forward years later, I became really sick. This was 2013, 2012. It lasted for about a year. Symptoms were not being able to walk on my own. I would just fall to the, to the left and walking down the street was incredibly difficult, nauseous, lethargic, and so on. That impacted me for about a year, and this was a time my partner and I, Eric, we decided to start moving to Australia. And mm. I saw an, a, a neurologist, and I said, so is it safe for me to move to another country? Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, we don't think it's going to kill you, which was great. You know, that's, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> that's, a pos- and that's a positive, at least, yeah. It is, yeah. So you're not going to die, but you can't function <laughs> independently. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't have MS, didn't have a brain tumor, which is all great things, but I still didn't have a diagnosis, which leaves me, my mind wandering, like, so what's wrong and why can't I get this figured out? Because my approach to challenges is I have to have a target. So mm-hmm. I have this issue here, but I see that over that across the room, that target, that bullseye. So I'm going to do everything I can to get there. But everything I was doing, it was just kind of just a shot in the dark. I moved to Australia, saw my GP, went through a number of other tests, nothing helped. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there in his office with tears in my eyes because I did all the tests that we could. And he said, that's kind of all I have for you right now. And like, you feel so helpless and so deflated because you've done everything you can. And that's how my, my mind functions. I have this problem. I need to find a solution for it. And he gave me this pamphlet on uh, mindfulness. And he said, well, try this. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with John Kabat-Zinn or not. I don't know. I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's the MBSR program. It's the mindfulness reduction. And didn't know anything about it. All you think, all I thought about was what you see in the movies. The guy sitting on the mountaintop, you know, with his legs crossed, shaked head and in his robe. (laughs) And, um. Yeah, so that, that I had to get that picture out of my mind and just start digging into it and looking at the science of it because that's what resonates with me the most. I'm not a, real, I'm not a spiritual, spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but the science helped me grasp it in a way that uh, allowed me to, I'd say, absorb into how I live and how I think throughout the day. And I just dug into it quite deeply. Ended up taking the MBSR program, the eight week long program, uh, a couple of years later. I meditate every single day. I haven't missed a day in about eight years uh, since then. And it's every single day without fail. It's for me, it's like getting up and getting dressed because mm. that's something that I need to do to help me function better. And um, from there, this all just evolves into the point where I was able to actually create my own business, taking all that lived experience. From then and also narrow and translate that into uh, a way that I could help people. And additionally, you know, I started writing as a freelance columnist doing well-being content. And I had the opportunity to interview some of the most amazing people in the world 
um, Ella Langer, who does the, consider the mother of mindfulness, uh, Rick Hansen, who is incredible uh, around resilience. Uh, Kristen Ness is she's the world's authority on self compassion. A number of other people that um, just asking them can I talk to you and get your insights. I don't get anything from it. I don't get paid mm. for it. They don't get paid for it, but they know that I'm just here with an authentic approach to trying to help people and they're willing to sit down with me when they have so many other things that they could be doing um, for 30 minutes to an hour, a bit like this. So thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and having a chat with me. I do appreciate it very much because ultimately outside of promoting this event that I'm having, it's to help and inform people about mental illness and mental health. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And same on my end, appreciate you making the time to come and talk to me and appreciate, you know, what you're doing because I'm in the, in a similar area and I've seen firsthand how much of a difference it can make. And I think, you know, it takes a huge amount of courage to do the work that you're doing and it genuinely helps people. And, you know, talking, it's important that, you know, people go and see a psychologist or a professional or whatever path you go down, but it's also important that they can get the information that you're talking about, because a lot of the time people don't, they're, they're, they're flying blind. And yeah. you might go and, you know, be getting therapy, but you don't know how to put that into practice. You don't know how to distill some of this information. And I think already so many of the points you talked about there are just so relevant. I love the analogy. And I've sort of spoken about this before where you were saying, and I think my psychologist had talked about that to me in the past, you know, putting, taking the medication, it's like putting glasses on. It's like taking something that's going to allow your brain to probably get to a level where it's functioning as a normal person's brain would. So then you're at an even playing field to then go and do meditation or, you know, all these things that we need to do for ourselves. So I think, uh, it, it's just so important. We talk about this. Yeah, no, I, it, it is. And that was one of the reasons why I reached out to you because I know it's something that you're a big advocate of and have your own personal experience. And I, I do think, as I mentioned before in the email about two, two main sitting here talking about mental illness is a really to, to, to door for other people to walk through to say, well, yeah, they, these guys talked about it and they don't really even know each other. Um, and now they're doing exactly. it, you know, dozens, hundreds, if not thousands of people can see this video and it's, yes. it, they're, they're able to do that, you know, so maybe I can do it as well. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends and follow me on Instagram at Nick Brax. I really appreciate your ongoing support. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, so many things I want to ask you about. I guess one of the questions that comes to mind is um, how challenging was it or how confronting was it for you when you first made that step of starting to share your story and then evolving to where you are now, you know, going on a stage, talking in front of people. I know in my own experience, I had self-esteem issues and I was afraid of my own shadow. I couldn't talk one-on-one -on -one to people. And at university, it was sort of a pivotal time for me where I had to do public speaking and I would be struggling to talk in front of five people, you know, looking yeah. at the floor, mumbling words, reading off a sheet of paper. And, and it was only by the sheer passion and grit and resilience of wanting to get that message out there and getting asked to share it that I just kept doing them and eventually, you know, got comfortable with it. So super interested to hear your story on how that all came about and what that was like for you. So for, for me, it's, it's never easy to talk about. So I don't want people to think that 
it's just like breathing for me. It, it, it's, it's, it takes, it takes, there's always this bit of hesitation around opening up so deeply and with such authenticity and vulnerability with someone else you really don't know, particularly when it's a bigger crowd. Um, but I, I have to remember that no one cares as much as I do about it. And people are here to listen to what I have to say. They care enough to come here and hear my story and my insights. It was never that, I, in my, my mind, I think I've always been a fairly open person about everything that I've been thinking and feeling. Having ADHD gives you that slight advantage because impulse control can be a bit of a challenge. Uh, you just say what you feel, you know, and exactly. you get older, you can refine that, you know, because when you're younger, it can get you in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. But I've been able to use that, that as a, as a resource to allow me to speak up and speak out. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm quite vocal about a number of things, any type of injustice, any type of uh, something I see as wrong. Someone else is getting hurt. I'll speak up. So it's not just about the mental illness. It's, 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 a, it's a core value for me is to speak up and to help other people. So it, it's not easy, but it was, I can't say that it was ever something that I had really had to work through to figure out how I could do it. Um, anything else I could struggle with to talk about anything technical that would be harder for me. But mm. for me, I've been telling this story for, I don't know, a very long time. So it gets easier. Definitely gets easier. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, but that's just like practice for anything you do. The more you practice, the easier it gets. But again, for people that are watching, it's not easy to do. Yeah. Like anything, it takes, takes work, putting one foot in front of the other and it evolves from there. Through the work that you're doing, are there stories that you've exper experienced where people have, you know, come out of the woodworks, resonated with what you talked about, gone and gotten help? Um, and, and second part of that question, I guess, like how important, you know, you, you mentioned before as men, two men sitting here and talking, how important do you think it is that we educate men about this, about being able to show that vulnerability, to share their story, to not see that as a weakness, to actually see that as a, as a strength and understand how to go about that. I've, yeah, I've, I've come across quite a few people that have had their struggles and uh, in different areas, uh, ADHD had a guy at, at, at my previous job where I worked, I was quite open about my own ch challenges and I did a talk on, uh, it was the, the day that we launched the uh, disability program when I worked for NBN the National World Band Network. And I read, read a poem about what it was like having ADHD as a child and how that impacted me and how my teacher, his name was Miss Sierra, I won't say his name, but it was a science teacher way, way back in elementary school. And I remember him coming up behind me and flicking my ear and telling me, well, how come you can't be as smart as your sister is? My sister did really great in school um, and for me, I was like, well, you know, I wasn't super engaged or interested and I had a mouth on me where I would speak up, you know, the ADHD thing, impulse control. Um, and it got me a little bit of trouble, but he, he plucked me so hard. I cried in the hallway. And of course I went home and I told my mom and she took care of it. Um, <laughs> she was, she was outspoken like I am. She also has ADHD, um, and 
that really impacted me significantly. And telling that story to someone else, he might not mm. have been plucked in the ear by this guy when they were in school, has, has had a similar experience where they were made to feel less than. And yes. the chat with this guy, and he didn't really understand what he was dealing with until I explained it and explained my story, the symptoms that I dealt with. He was like, wow, that's what I have. Yeah, and then yeah, checked out by a psychiatrist who diagnosed him with ADHD. And then he was able to get the right treatment to help him. Because um, getting yes. that diagnosis can be scary, but it allows you to, to move into a direction where you can get the support that you need in order to function in a way that you want to versus how you feel like you're trapped within this box of ADHD and you can't get out because you don't know what to do. Ah, oh, exactly. I, I, and, and, you know, I, so I had a whole range of issues with mental health growing up and, you know, similar sort of things to what you're talking about there. But ADHD, I never, I'd seen so many different psychologists and professionals, but no one had ever, you know, suggested that it might be ADHD and I hadn't been diagnosed with it. And then even when I was interested in trying to get a diagnosis, that process just took forever. And yeah. finally, when I found out I did have it, it was the biggest relief because I could actually put a label on what was going on and then I could learn, okay, what are the things I can do to manage this better? And then you, I could right. understand this is why I was behaving in these ways. This is why my brain goes in those places. And I think there's probably so many people out there that live their whole life just not knowing what's going on. And they get told, you know, they, they get put into a box. They get told that they are not intelligent or they're struggling because they're not good enough or whatever it is. And they believe that story and that just never, you know, they never come out of that. And it's, you know, so sad and it's so frustrating that we still live in a society where, you know, we're not, we don't have enough um, education and enough systems to be able to cater for all of the different people that have different brains, different ways of thinking. I, I Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I completely agree with you. I think the one thing that I, I would... Can't say debate or argue. That's mm. not, not the right phrase. But I would say that in order to find the resource, because they're out there, uh, you and I have found them, and we're not the only ones that have found them. But people will have to put in the work to to yes. to figure out what those things are that they're dealing with, because this this process is challenging. It's very complex. It's very uh, subjective. It's 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 an uphill battle especially at first trying to figure out what's what's going on with your mind because you know something's not right but you just have no idea where to start um, but for me it was just about doing the research figuring it out looking at the symptoms not diagnosing myself but saying well these make sense to me you know i'll take this mm. to a doctor I said, so what do you think about this and you ask questions of these doctors and you don't don't just accept what they're telling you because they don't know your body as well as you do um, they're there to give you guidance 
and to some direction on what steps you can take. But those aren't the only steps. Those aren't the only doctors out there. You have to do what feels good for you. Um, we, you and I might get different treatments based off our backgrounds, but it's still a treatment that we found that works for us. But I've, like you, I've been through a number of psychologists, psychiatrists, some push pills like you wouldn't believe. Um, others, they just want to have a conversation or a chat, which is not really what I'm there for. Um, yeah. And listen to me and then give me some insights on how I can manage the problems that I'm throwing up to them. Um, yep. so it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, you have to put in the work. It's just like exercise. You and I are both free active, um, and we won't be, we won't be fit unless we go out there and we run, we lift the weights. Um, it's like anything else in life. Like you have to have all the ingredients in line before you can bake that cake. That's a third odd analogy, but yeah, you have to have everything. It's true. Or, yeah. It's so true. Yeah, and the ingredients for you and I are seeing the therapist, doing the research, exercise, meditation, and then that that makes the cake of Nick and Chuck. Exactly. Yeah. And and everyone's right. gonna have slightly different variations of, of those ingredients and you're not gonna work that out unless you go and put in that work. I mean, it comes back to the the simple sort of statement you made of you've got to be prepared to actually put in the the work and the time and stick to it like anything else. It's learning a new skill. It's understanding an area. It's understanding yourself. And I think a big problem, you know, in this day and age is we're sort of told or we're, I, I guess not told, we're trained through society to want a quick fix and everyone wants, you know, attention spans are short. The world's moving so fast. We're in this society that is all about what's next, what's next, what's next. And that doesn't lead to people putting enough attention into trying to work on yourself and you know really dive deeper into hang on why am i what why is this happening what are some things that i can do to be more preventative to build a lifelong skill not just to get it fixed and and move on and that's really the only way that you can you know make big long-term change so it's it's changing that mindset around it and trying to see all of the positives of of doing that because really i mean i'm sure as you you already mentioned you know you went and uh through dealing with a lot of your mental health issues and getting yourself functioning better, you went and started a company and you're cool. speaking in front of people and you're doing all these different things that you probably couldn't have done if you never addressed the core issues that were going on. And I think if it can be framed to people in that way, that not only will this make your life better and more enjoyable and you'll be more present and better to be around, but you'll actually do better in your career. You'll probably make more money. You'll probably, in every facet of your life, you'll see an improvement if you just put the work into trying to get to the bottom of, you know, how do you, how do you manage this on a day-to-day -day basis? Correct. No, I, I think that, that that's, that's a great summary. Um, I, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to me. It's putting in the work. I mean, and, and uh, I think it's important to recognize some people don't feel like getting out of bed because they're so depressed and I don't want them to think that they're broken. You know, but sometimes people are to the point where they just can't get out of bed and they can't get yeah. the mind instead of wanting to put in that work. But there's always small steps you can take. You know, it, it's, yeah, you have to have um, the tools and use the tools in the amount of effort that you can take and that you can manage, if that makes sense. It's not everybody oh, it can go full bore like you and I. You and I have been doing this for a very long time. 
you know, it's, it just take baby steps. And for me, I think the biggest and most valuable first step is just finding a good support system and finding yeah. people care for you and that are there for you in the good and the bad times. Um, and that makes all the difference. And that's a really important point that you mentioned. I feel, you know, I forget that all the time. Like I often, you know, I'll be talking about these things and I forget how difficult it was at the beginning for me. And I think the point you're saying there, you know, we're talking about how you've got to work on these things. It's, at, you know, a daily process. It never ends. And that's all true. But like you're saying, people, you don't want it to be misinterpreted as well. And if someone is, you know, struggling to get out of bed and they feel like they've got no hope, part of that message is you do, and it's okay to, to be struggling. It's okay to stay in bed and do nothing, but you've got to understand and try and acknowledge to yourself that whatever you're feeling, things will get better. And there are lots of ways and available options for you to work through it. And it might take a long time. It might be difficult, but no matter how low you get, there's always, there's always a solution. And it feels like there isn't when you're in that state, but there always is. There's always a, you know, there's always going to be something that we can do to try and improve our life and improve our, our mindset. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn more, I've released my first book, Move Your Mind, How to Build a Healthy Mindset for Life, where I talk about my own journey with mental health and share tips from experts on how to maintain a healthy mindset. You can buy the book on Amazon or through my website at nickbrax.com slash book. Correct. Yeah, there certainly is just about finding the, doing it in moderation is the point yeah. that, that works for you. Because again, the things that I do, people might not like to meditate, which is totally fine. Exactly. There's significant evidence behind its benefits and its value, but you might not like to do it. Totally fine. You just find something else. There's hundreds of thousands of things out there you can do around self-care. It's about finding out what works for you and the amount of time that works for you. But it's also about putting in the work to make sure you figure out what can work for you. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you talked a little bit about meditation, things that you do. Um, can you, can for our listeners, can you just give, um, give us a bit of insight into, you know, what are the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis with the meditation? So is that Vedic meditation, like the or transcendental meditation. That, that's the one no, that I've just, been doing where. Go ahead. Right. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I do trans, got taught in transcendental where it's 20 minutes in the morning, 20 at night, but there's so yeah. many different kinds. I guess, yeah, interested to learn what you do. Yeah, there are quite a few different types of meditation. Um, I think there's anywhere from nine to 15, depending on who you ask. And for the most part, as far as I know, they all have some evidence behind the benefits of them. Transcendental, I'm a lot mildly familiar with that. I know there are significant benefits to that. Me, because I, I was introduced to meditation via the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. So mindfulness meditation, something that I've, I've dug into and something that I still use now. Uh, I do it every morning, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. Uh, I oh, try wow. to go to the beach because I live in Manly. I'm about a two minute walk to the beach. So I get up around and whenever the sun rises and now it's about six 30 a week ago it was five 30, which was painful. Um, <laughs> and then I'll go out there and I'll meditate as the sun comes up on the beach. And Amazing. It's, it's a beautiful experience. And sometimes my partner asked me why I get up so early to do it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like nothing else I've ever experienced when it comes to meditation and it's, mm. Meditation is not always easy. Sometimes I'll do a body scan and fall asleep. 
And I'm okay with that. You know, it's a really nice nap sometimes. And, you know, my mind gets distracted sometimes immediately. And it's so hard to bring it back to where I, I want it to be, which is in the present moment. Um, but yeah, the meditation for me is, it's the core of my self-care practice. Um, I think, I think it's the core of any type of behaviors that you want to, um, that you desire to have in your life, being mindful of it. It doesn't require you to have like a meditation practice, just about being mindful of it. And the more you practice mindfulness meditation, the more mindful you can become, which is really the whole intent behind it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it really is. It's just giving yourself that time out. And I think it's such an important thing in, in life in general, especially meditation, but anything. What you were saying there with, you know, not judging it. If for some reason you can't get into it, if you're distracted, if you fall asleep, if it doesn't go well, that's not a waste. That's still, you know, all part of the process. And that's part of the learning from meditation as well, to just let go of things. And, you know, in life, in whatever we're doing, we're going to have good days and bad days. Some days things just aren't going to go our way. We're not going to feel up to it. We might perform badly in certain things. That doesn't mean that that's going to be like that forever. So it's about being able to not attach to, you know, the good or the bad and, and just be, you know, putting our best foot forward and, and learning from, you know, the process. Correct. Yeah. It's, yeah. Meditation is, is, it's challenging. And I think the first people, first thing people need to realize or consider is when I start meditating and they, they lose focus that, and they come back to it, that is being mindful. And that's the yeah. first step. Like you've done it, that you've done it just now. And you brought yourself back to this moment. Like, and, and every single thing you experience, good or bad, is being mindful. That's a part exactly. of the And that's okay. It's not right or wrong. Uh, the biggest thing I think I found for myself to, to allow me to come back to it and not be so hard on myself is to be okay. I think you mentioned around that. And like, if you get distracted, it's all right. That's all a part of the practice. Now, no one can sit there and be focused on that immediate moment for an hour it just doesn't exist dalai lama can't do it either uh, so it's it's just a part of the practice yeah. it gets easier and you get better at it like anything else but again it goes back to putting in the work exactly exactly 100 percent. well love everything you're talking about here i'm sure i think there's so many topics i'd love to go into so i might have to get you on here for around two at some point uh, okay. but we agree we finish every episode with um five closing questions so these are just short, short answers, whatever comes to mind. I won't throw you too far under the bus here, but these are sort of every episode finishes with these. So the, the first one is what's, what's the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you? Do you hear a background noise? No, I'm sorry. Is this I can't, no. I, who decided to cut trim bushes? Oh, right. I can't hear it from here. Perfect. Okay. Um, oh, good. Childhood memory. Uh, Probably going on trips, camping trips, family trips. Uh, th there isn't really one that sticks out to me, except for when I went to Wyoming with my, my family. I was very, very yeah. young. And we went on a camping trip in the Yellowstone Park. And that was That'll the first right. time we went camping, I think. And we had a pop-up trailer, but there's also bears around. So that's probably a better idea than just a tent. And, um, he has a really interesting experience. I remember my uncle, uncle Norman, who was there, he snored like a grizzly bear. And of course 
I thought it was a grizzly because he was snoring so loud, so heavily. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it's a really interesting experience to go out there and drive five minutes up a hill and it's snowing all of a sudden. Uh, it was yeah. just quite incredible. And so I was going to ask you that. So you're from the U.S. originally? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. From a very small state called Delaware. It's yes. the size of Wathiki. It's where Joe Biden's from. Uh, yeah. That's I've been through there a few times. Yeah, yeah, typically people go through there on the highway and also they get a speeding ticket. There's a lot of police in there. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a very small place. If you blink, you'll probably miss it. Yeah. There you go. Um, what do you think currently in the world is the biggest burden on mental health? The biggest burden on mental health is... I'd say lack of education. Um, I mean, there's a whole slew of things behind that. Resources around money to get the information out there, cultural challenges. Some cultures around the world don't believe that, that, that mental illness is actually a thing. So they reject any type of resources, but that doesn't, because the leadership of that country, that nation, that culture doesn't want it, doesn't mean people behind them don't need it. Um, yeah. There are a lot of places that can't afford it. They don't have the expertise. Don't, it's, there's, I think, just lack of access to information, probably the biggest issue, because the information is what allowed me to be here today and understanding my story and who I am and what I am and why I am this way. Yeah, that's huge. What's your personal definition of happiness? Uh, I don't. I, I used to be a big, big advocate or I'm really into happiness as far as what that means for me and doing things make me happy. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's about a life well lived. And, 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 and am I doing the things that align with my core values that allow me to yep. be the person I want to be? Am I authentic? Am I vulnerable? Am I a kind person? Am I generous? Do I stand up with people? Does, does justice mean something for me, equality, and so on? Those are quite to me feeling good, give me positive feelings. So for me, it's, it's, it's quite, it's much bigger and deeper than just being happy. Happiness yeah. is, is great, but you have to, you have to do those things. And as a result of those things, you become happy. If that makes sense. Really well put. No, really, really, really well put. Thanks. What are you most, what are you most afraid of? Uh, it's, uh, most afraid of, um, part of me says sharks, uh, I've always <laughs> had the, and it's interesting that I started surfing recently, uh, yeah. but, but it's, it's always this thing about a great white and it's that goddamn movie Jaws from back in the seventies or eighties that ruined me and everyone else around the world. Um, and uh, what is it, The Meg, and every other movie out there yeah. on these killer animals in the water that often don't care about us. Um, yeah. Just being in the ocean by myself and there are sharks surrounding me. And I think that's probably my biggest phobia, maybe, I guess, like that might be the right way to say it. But yeah, it's a bit of a fear for me. It's quite irrational. Yeah. Fears are irrational. Yeah, exactly. Well, final one. What are you most proud of? Uh, I'm most proud of 
being me, um, being myself, and, and I don't mean that in, in an arrogant way. You know, I'm not special. I'm not. I'm not this uh, uh, this bigger than larger than life person. Um, for me, it's just about being authentic and being yep. being who I am and who I want to be. And it's it's more difficult to do the right thing and to be the person you want to be than it is to compromise that and fit in with the crowd. It's much more difficult. But I managed to work through that and maintain who I am as best I can. So for me, that's living a life well lived, which makes me happy. And to answer your question, makes me most proud. Well, I love that answer. And yeah, thank you for being so open on here. And just to finish up, for everyone listening, we mentioned at the beginning, but can you just finish by, uh, and we'll put this in the show notes as well, but where can everyone go if they want to learn more about you, your organization, and and most importantly, your event that you've got c- coming up? Can we do, let's just remind them where they can go. And and again, sure. any, anyone listening, there'll be links in the, in the um, show notes. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, so website is www.livingtothrive.com.au. And that's livingtothrive.com.au. That's the website. Gives you all the background on me, the services that we provide. Um, a lot of that, again, goes back to lived experience. And I link my experience to all the work that I do. Um, it's The work that I do is not about me, but having it meet, involving myself in my experience makes it relatable and it allows me to connect with their employees much in a much deeper level. Um, yep. They can go find me on LinkedIn, Chuck Anderson. They could find me on Instagram. I think it's also Chuck Anderson or Living to Thrive. Yeah, yeah it's a, a number of different ways. They can email me at chuckanderson at livingtothrive.com.au. Yeah, a number of different ways they can reach out to me and learn more about the stuff that I do. Uh, so throughout month of, mental health month, October, I've... Offered, I'm offering a free 25 to 30 minute session on lived experience to any organization in Australia for free. And it just reach out to me and we can have a chat. So let me know when and where and who, and I'll show up and I'll give you this presentation that I've been talking about. And I did set up one for 18th of October, people to just join. Um, we have a little over a hundred people that have signed up, which is great. Looking forward to it and find how to get access to that event on my page as well. Um, it's I'm very very excited about it. I have uh, a presentation set up for next week, and actually two next week, and then one after that for the 18th. Um, so it will be three or four that I'll be doing this month, and yeah, it's it's great. It's, it's really I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll be a bit nerve wracking, but that's always the case when you speak in front of people. Yeah, exactly. Well, amazing, mate. And everyone listening, make sure to check it all out. And yeah, Chuck, thanks again for everything you're doing, for making the time. It's been great connecting with you and, you know, hopefully we can stay in touch. Yeah, that'd be great. And also thank you for giving me and other people this platform. I mean, it means a lot to me to the point where I'm actually getting a little emotional about it, which is a bit odd. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really nice to have someone like yourself who I believe is around my age-ish who so has the courage to speak up and speak out and actually have these conversations and get people access to it. So I, I applaud you as well. Really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, thank you so much. Sure. Thank awesome. you very much. Thanks to Chuck Anderson for joining me today for Move Your Mind. 
Also, a huge thank you to those of you listening. I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to learn more or connect with me personally, visit www.nickbrax.com or send me a DM on Instagram at nickbrax. Please don't forget to click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends, and follow me on Instagram. It really makes a difference. Thank you so much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.